Jeff, can you hear us? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the old podcast. I thought you were going to say, through the shadow of Jeff. I see no Jeff. I hear <laughs> no Jeff. It's not ideal, but it does the trick. All right. Well, today, we're finally getting to the long-awaited winning time. Every podcast we do is long-awaited because we take so long to do a podcast. That's true. The winning time, the rise of the Lakers dynasty is what it's called, the official title. It's a long title for a show. But it's just as pretentious as you would expect a Adam McKay-driven, produced thing to be these days, unfortunately. No comment. No comment. <laughs> Jeff, have you seen Don't Look Up? Did you watch that? I have not. It's not really in my wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Adam McKay, did he direct this? He directed the first episode, I think. But anyway, we got someone new on the cast. I've been trying to get him here for a long time. His name's Jeff. We have Jeff Ali on the podcast. Jeff is a uh, Lakers fan and super knowledgeable, way more than I am. All I know about the Lakers, I know from this show. So he's here to fill in the blanks. And Gabe hasn't watched the show. As per usual. <laughs> so I can provide an outsider. So it's really just <laughs> me and Jeff talking about it today. Jeff, do you want to plug your life or what you do? I've been working at Almond Surfboards for about 13, 14 years now. Freelance photographer. Spend way too much time listening to sports podcasts. And I'm definitely not a historian, but I know a good amount about the Lakers, NBA, most sports, so... It's kind of fun to get, hop on and chat about it. Are the Lakers like your your favorite sports team? Like out of all sports, not just basketball? But That answer is a lot longer than this podcast should be. So uh, <laughs> soured on the Lakers a little bit recently, but historically, okay. yes. They're like over my lifetime have been my favorite sports franchise. Why? Why? Have you been soured lately? Not a big LeBron James fan. The way oh. the front offices run the team recently. Just doesn't really jive with my uh, favorite style of management, so it's been a... Where did your favorite style of management end for you? Uh, they they ended the Kobe era and kind of dropped to the bottom of the league, but then they built up this roster of a bunch of young guys that had like promise and traded them all in for two superstars and kind of tried to buy a championship instead of like being willing to like dedicate two extra years to allow these guys to grow and develop and now all the players are in my mind like really good nba players and the lakers are back down to like being in this middling period of like not being good enough to win but not being bad enough to get more good players and they traded away all their assets so they're in a a dicey situation when you say traded away assets do you mean players and future draft picks their next draft pick he would be like 11 years old right now Oh my gosh. <laughs> By the time they have another draft pick. So they don't have a lot to work with at the moment. And LeBron has never been uh, one of my uh, favorite athletes on the planet. So it's like they put all their eggs in one basket of like all these young players that are right now to try to see how they'll do for the next decade. Is that what's going on? They had the oldest roster in the NBA. They would basically try to get all these guys that were good 10 years ago and put them together and see if they could win. They had the young players and then they got rid of the young talent for LeBron is what he's saying. Damn. They have LeBron now. Yeah. When did they get LeBron? Because I again, I don't know anything. So probably like four years ago. Okay, and he came from the Cavaliers. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. He's bounced around a bit, but <laughs> so ignorant. I don't know anything about the Lakers. For me, that when it comes to professional basketball, I stopped being like interested around college. Once I feel like college is like 
people are still kind of into the game and then it just becomes kind of like a show yeah you know and this this show this hbo show kind of showcase the inception of that i can't tell you how many times i'm going to use show in one sentence but yeah okay interesting so that was about four years ago when did the kobe era end for you uh he retired about i want to say like seven years seven years ago okay and then they like kind of like dropped to the bottom but drafted a bunch of fun young players and that was with like phil jackson uh phil jackson left after the first or their last championship, so like 2009, 2010. Have they not won one since? No. Oh wow. Well, wow. they won two. They won two years ago with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Okay. But. Well, there's a little Lakers history for you. So let's talk about this HBO show. It is an Adam McKay deal with a bunch of other really good directors. It's crazy because from director to another director, it keeps the same tone like throughout every episode. Jonah Hill directed, I think, episode two. Yeah. I think he just directed the one, but yeah, they have so many different directors, but, but the style is the same. And the way that I could describe this is it's like, it's definitely, and I think you said this, Jeff, that it was like very dramatized narrative based on nonfiction, which is like a, you know, real, real events. Yeah. But there's this warning kind of at the end of the the show when the credits roll, maybe it's in the beginning, that this is heavily dramatized uh, to to make it a good show. Because if it didn't have the drama, then it wouldn't be as engaging. Yeah. So the events kind of take place the same way, but it's heavily dramatized. But the the look of it is really interesting. And the way that it's edited, it's very flashy. It has like a lot of very good well shot well executed cinematography and then when it goes to what we call insert shots where it does like a cutaway shot to like maybe like a you know you're looking at a few characters head on you see like a profile pic or something the profile would be it would have a layer on it to make it look like it was shot on a film as if you're looking at sort of archive footage from that era but it all blends together so seamlessly so you're constantly cutting between very good cinematography that's colored to look very 70s esque. So I think this took place in 79, 80. Yeah. And so it's made to look and colored from that kind of time. So it's kind of like washed out. The colors are sort of muted. It's not very saturated. And then it cuts to like often, very frequently, things that look like archive footage where they actually just shot the actors and then made it look like it's archive footage like you're like you're somehow watching like a home video or something yeah within the scene and so from scene to scene it happens so frequently it just becomes this very distinct visual look and that's that's a huge part of the draw i think for me from like a film perspective where i'm like wow this is very proficiently executed and I'm I'm really enjoying like the aesthetic of it. Yeah, I know they like actually bought a bunch of old cameras from that time period and are like, oh. actually using those cameras to try to like stay as true to like that feel as possible. And then they splice in a lot of like real footage from like newscasts, like the riots and stuff, or like like right. significant periods. So it's like this really interesting blend of modern film, the kind of the old vintage cameras, actual old footage. And it's very uh, cohesive in the way they do it to like Mm -hmm. pull you into that time period. That's so cool. I didn't know that. I thought, I thought that they were just shooting in digital and then made it look like film. I didn't know they actually shot certain things on film. That would make sense for them inserting, you know, those few moments. Cause a lot of the times you see that stuff, it's, 
it's almost like there was like a BTS guy, like a behind the scenes guy shooting on film or something, and they would cut to that insert. So it's like in between a, a heated moment or like a moment when a character's not speaking or something, just to give it like an extra texture or flavor. That's really, really cool. I didn't know that. But so Adam McKay, I was joking earlier when I said he's sort of this pretentious guy, but like, I think he started with Anchorman, like he blew up with like comedy Anchorman and then went to Step Brothers and then the ball kept rolling and he started to get more into like serious drama with the big short. And then we just referenced Don't Look Up, which just came out last year. It was a very on the nose, hot button political issue. Um, made to play like a basically a satire and this is kind of like a satirical version of a true story where the Lakers get bought out by Jerry Buss who's played by John C. Riley, and he just revamps basically the whole way that the Lakers franchise operates and tries to make it more like a almost like a draw like a like a like in a Disneyland kind of thing where it's like a whole event instead of it just being basketball. Cause at that time, I guess it was said to be the NBA was said to be like dying or something like on its way out. Is that true? Like, yeah, like the NBA at that time, like was not like a nearly the same draw as it is now. Like NBA finals games would be like on tape, tape delay after newscasts or like they'd play about like midnight because like, it just like wasn't like something that like millions of people were watching Mm -hmm. It definitely had its like niche and stuff, but this point that we're watching is kind of like a turning point in the whole league's history that like it really like accelerates and it's all fueled by Larry Bird and, and Magic Johnson and all these like players that are coming up, kind of building off the momentum of like Wilt Chamberlain, Jerry West, Bill mm. Russell. Um, mm. But they just brought a lot more like flair, excitement, kind of just like focused on the fan experience, the celebrity of it, and made it way more of like an event to be there, like as opposed to just like yeah. you show up, watch basketball, and you leave. Yeah, they make it like a, into a huge production. So is this in, in 1980 when the Lakers won that? They won that year. Spoilers. I mean, also not spoilers because it was 40 years ago. Now. I haven't watched the game yet. Yeah. Is this like the first year that the NBA started to incline or or was it like kind of meandering throughout the 80s? It was like meandering. There was like Dr. J and a bunch of guys that were like pretty good draws and like were really iconic. But overall, mm -hmm. as a league, like it didn't necessarily have the same gravitation. So once the Showtime Lakers, the Celtics, it was like kind of the their back and forth rivalry over the next 12 years kind of sets the tone for like what the NBA is going to be going forward. So, and Showtime also Lakers. David Stern, who's like shown as the assistant commissioner, he takes over as the head commissioner of the NBA and oh. he is very much more business minded. That's where like the finances start to grow. The like money starts to grow. The production value starts to grow really like accelerates into like the Michael Jordan era in which like right. Nike exploded and came like the, the most famous athlete in the world. Yeah. And that was like toward the end of the eighties and the nineties into the nineties, right? Yeah, 88 to like 99. Yeah, and now here we are today where the NBA is a huge production. It's like a huge part of pop culture. <laughs> yeah. It is, I would say like out of most sports, I mean, I feel like I feel like the NBA and maybe football, like American football. In America, I mean, everywhere else it's like soccer, just regular football. Yeah. In America, it's like, you know, NBA players are, are actually like celebrities. Like everywhere you go, it's like they're everywhere. 
Yeah. Like the NFL players are like, you can't touch the NFL. Yeah. The worst NFL game in any year will have more viewers than the NBA finals will. <laughs> so it's just like a whole different beast. But at the same time, the players themselves are so much more valuable and like more iconic because they're not wearing helmets they're like integrated into like social media speaking out over like issues like i think that the nba has allowed their players to have the like latitude to build up their own brands a a lot more than any other sport yeah so they've been able to like pull in use their players as avenues to like generate more fans and like grow in that area so like it's a definitely a whole different beast in the nba is just yeah one of the most profitable leagues in the world yeah i haven't thought of it that way that you could, you know, they don't have helmets on, so it's like they're much more recognizable. That's that's really interesting. I'm going to try to finish kind of the events of this season of television. So Adam McKay, like I was saying, is sort of, he's known for his style and his, like, flavor and his satire. Anyway, he, I think he sets the tone by directing the first episode, and then the other directors take it on. There's 10 episodes in the season. It follows the 79... 80 Lakers as they're sort of turning the head of this franchise. You called them the Showtime Lakers. Is that an actual term? Yeah, that's what the show is supposed to be called. But since the Showtime's a competing streaming service, uh, halfway through the project, they had Knicks. So it was supposed to be called Showtime, uh, but they changed it to Winning Time just to kind of avoid any uh, confusion. And Showtime, that was a term that was used for those Lakers at that time? Yeah, it's like the era of that that Lakers roster with like Kareem, um, Magic, James Worthy, Michael Cooper, like all them. Okay, cool. See, I didn't even know that. I don't know if they said that in the show. But I'm going to name some of the cast because the people who they cast in these roles are so good at the roles. And then they look so much like the actual players and even act and talk like them. It's it's insane. Yeah. As I mentioned before, John C. Riley plays Jerry Buss. He's the new owner of the Lakers. He buys the team. Uh, Jason Clark plays Jerry West. Jason Clark's been in a bunch of stuff. I hope you all would know him. Um, he was the old general manager, right? He's the he kind of exits the general manager state as the show begins. Hadley Robinson plays Jeannie Bus. That's uh, John C. Riley's daughter, Jerry Bus's daughter. Adrian Brody plays Pat Riley, who was an old Lakers player that comes back and then becomes a coach, essentially, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And then Sally Field is in it. She plays. Jerry Buss's mom, so John C. Riley's mom, Jesse Buss. She's awesome in this. Uh, okay, and then Magic Johnson, Irvin Magic Johnson, is played by Quincy Isaiah, beautifully, impeccably, I would say. It's startling. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is played by Solomon Hughes. Also, like, just insane how good he played that role. So he played, played basketball at Stanford or at Cal. And then now he's a professor at Stanford, never acted before in his life, but he just like really encaptures <laughs> like the role so well. Are you serious? Yeah. You say he was a professor. He's a professor at Cal. Oh my God. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause Kareem, he, they make him out to be like kind of this like spiritual guide savant sort of individual. He's probably he's like the, the most accurate oh. character in the show based on like how he actually was in real life. Wow. Yeah, he's... I have to say like really quick because I'm still even just going through who's in this cast. Yeah. Every character has an arc, like has a journey that they go through. And it, every character is incredibly 
multifaceted. So they're all, most of them are equally engaging. There's no like, I mean, every character stands out and they stand on their own two feet as like a, like a very interesting person who's like a really well-rounded complex character. And they're not, none of them are like boring, (laughs) you know? Yeah. There's no like boring moment in the show, which is interesting because I watched this with Allie too, who like isn't interested in NBA or sports, she, even less than I am. I, I at least played like NJB, like junior basketball at the time when Michael Jordan and the Bulls were like hitting it up. So like I have like a, a some foundation of basketball, but Allie, who has no foundation uh, except for cheerleading in high school for basketball players, she loved this show which is saying a lot about the quality of uh, the storytelling. Did Katie watch it with you? We didn't watch it together, but she was watching it separately. And like, she was kind of in the same boat. Like yeah. from the first episode, she was pretty hooked on it. And it's fun to like come up two different perspectives. Cause like, I know where every character ends up at the end, just based on history. And she yeah. doesn't even know who most of the players are except for Magic Johnson. So it's kind of fun to like yeah. see, ha- like have dialogues about it and like fill her in on some of the like insights of like what's actually going on and what's going to happen. Cause it gets pretty uh, interesting. Yeah. Yep. Okay, continuing through the cast, Gabby Hoffman, who we just saw in Joaquin Phoenix movie. Come on, come on. She's that old child actress from Field of Dreams. She plays Claire Rothman, who is like, what is she like? Not like a secretary. Do you know who she is? She basically runs the forum, so she's in charge of all the operations of the uh, stadium and from events to the Lakers to the managing the like kind of team that's in the front office. Okay. Norm Nixon is played by Devon Nixon. Is that? That's his son. Right. Oh yeah. What the heck? Yeah. So it's like spooky. They look like twins. That's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Man, the casting in this, I'm telling you is like, unparalleled yeah uh jack mckinney he was the coach that they brought in to replace jerry west and he got in like a bike accident yeah and then he has to exit the season which is so crazy did that actually happen oh yeah it did yeah (laughs) he was an interesting character too because they made him out to be like uh i don't know like sort of like a mathematician or something like he looked at the game very analytically yeah he's given a lot of credit for like so much of the modern nba's like analytics space he was one of the people that kind of started that movement of not just like only watching the players but actually like analyzing the data behind it and like figuring out like unique ways to approach the game to find advantages and so he kind of led into pat riley adopting that and becoming like one of the most successful coaches of all time yeah and his sidekick guy is played by jason siegel (laughs) who plays paul westhead but you're saying Pat Riley kind of went on to be a better coach? Yeah, so basically he's, More so than he was coach for the Lakers through their whole championship run. Then he moves on to the Knicks and is like pretty successful there. And then now he's uh, been in a few front offices and won a few championships as like a general manager, president of basketball operations. So he's with the Miami Heat right now, but probably like oh. the top three most respected people in basketball. Wow. Does he look... Anything like Adrian Brody, or is that like a pretty... Yeah, once he like slicks back his hair, like when he was like in the 88 and 89 range, like it's pretty startling how like similar they look. What other Lakers am I missing? I've only said those three. Yeah, like Delonte D'Souza played Michael Cooper, who's like their kind of defensive stopper throughout that whole period, and like definitely a 
very famous Laker that's, I think he might have his jersey retired, but. And then Chick Hearn is like the most famous NBA announcer of all time, probably. Okay. The way they portray him is a little hard for some Laker fans to watch just because he's been like immortalized and he's such an icon. So some, yeah. of, some of the language he uses gets a little dicey. I think a lot of that is like researched and stuff. So it's just a little, little hard to hear because it kind of takes away a little of the shine, but. Right. And then obviously Larry Bird is kind of the other main character that I feel like they're setting up for season two to be like yeah. one of the ma- major figures because he's kind of like just dropped in at random points in this series. And he was so different from how I remember Larry Bird being. Yeah. They really built him up to be like this like uh, redneck kind of individual. Yeah. Was he actually like that or am I misremembering? He's from like super small town in Indiana. So he definitely has a lot of that. Okay. But they took it. Like most things in the show, they took it to a bit of an extreme to kind of like polarize the like yeah. the portrayal of Magic Johnson the best, but yeah, yeah, pretty accurate. And he's played by Sean Patrick Small. And then who is did you might have already said this, but who is the Laker that they kicked off the team? Who was like the druggy dude? It was Spencer Hayward. Spencer Hayward. He's played by Wood Harris. Yeah, he was interviewed recently, and he's like that. That was accurate. <laughs> he was not trying to like. He's like come around and like he hasn't. I think he's been sober for like 20 years and stuff and really turned his life around and become like a motivational speaker. But yeah, a lot of that was alarmingly accurate. He's like this player who's like on his way out. It's like probably going to be his last season. And the Lakers were on the incline. They were like going toward winning the championship and has some sort of relapse at some point toward the end. And they all vote or it really comes down to kareem who again is like kind of like the leader of the team to kick him out of the team and so he doesn't get a ring it was his last season and he just like lost everything you know yeah i think the only little tweak they made is i think he did play in one or two of the finals games it wasn't that before but uh at some point the team did come together and kind of like say like you need to step away and deal with whatever you're going on so he didn't actually try to like send a hitman out on the team or anything like that i don't know i've never i haven't heard anyone like say that that's not accurate so i think there is some sort of truth to that wow yeah and then cookie keely who's like magic johnson's kind of love interest is played by tamara tomakill tomakill i there's probably some other people i'm forgetting again this this cast is huge and it's also amazing but yeah does this season end with the finals for 79 the season starts in 79 it goes into into 80 all oh, right so it's 80 so the season does end with them winning the championship for 80 which was like unprecedented jerry bus essentially buys the team and he's like we're gonna win and everyone's like you're crazy <laughs> it reminded me a lot of like walt disney going i'm gonna build a theme park and it's gonna be hot shit and people are like what are you talking about but he does it like he wins the whole championship and this season ends with that this show's already greenlit for a season two. You had mentioned that with the kind of setup for Larry Bird. Because I think I looked ahead to see like which championships the Lakers won after this. And I think with Magic Johnson, they win like four or five more times over the course of the 80s, right? Yeah, I think he wins five championships. And the Celtics win in the 81 year. Is that right? Yeah. So they win like kind of an equal amount over like a 12 year period. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole series is based on like Jeff Perlman's book. Who's like his book about this time period is like kind of regarded as like one of the best NBA books, just like super well researched. He really put his time and effort into it. So I think a lot of people that kind of like read this book 
got a little frustrated with the amount of liberties that they took in a lot oh. of different areas and the portrayals of Jerry West specifically and a few different people. But he wrote another book about the Kobe and Shaq era. So oh. speculation for a long time was that they were going to move on to Shaq and Kobe after this. But I think that uh, they found that they kind of caught lightning in a bottle with uh, yeah. Quincy Isaiah and a lot of these actors that are just like so dynamic. And so I think that they're kind of reworking the they might like skip over a little period, maybe like three years and kind of like fill in some blanks. But then uh, move into like the middle of the 80s to kind of like show the full force of like how much the Lakers impacted the league and L.A. and kind of just the whole city rallied around them. It would be interesting to see that, like to see them skip time and and show the impact of the Lakers, kind of the Showtime Lakers, like you were saying. But it would also be cool to see sort of like an Empire Strikes Back season where Larry Bird and the Celtics just kind of kill them in the next season. And then because that's kind of the whole thing. It was like Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson. They were both like number one draft picks for that year. And the Celtics were already like a pretty hot team at the time. And and they're in the championship right now, actually, right? Unless they won last night or something. I don't know. No, they lost last night. But uh, yeah, basically the Magic Johnson-Larry Bird rivalry goes back to like early high school years. They'd play each other. Then they both went to college and met in the national championship. And then both got drafted number one and two. And then rookie year got met in the finals. And just like their trajectory just like intermingled the whole phase of their career and I got to the point where they were in the front office battling against each other so it's just like dang been a lifetime of Larry versus Magic so that's interesting I had no idea that even was a thing I just knew them as separate entities but yeah it's super fun to watch yeah yeah season two would be rad I, I think they could get a lot out of this but there seems to be so much story that I think if they did go like season of basketball by season of basketball, like, you know, 81, 82, 83, that it would get a little bit redundant. So I think it would be smart to skip ahead, like you were saying. Yeah, there's a couple like big bullet points of like Magic Johnson basically pushes Westhead out of the picture. Oh. They bring in Pat Riley as the whole like full time head coach and quite a few like significant things that happen over those years. But I think overall, narratively, like once the mid 80s come around, that the series, the like drama, the like back and forth with Larry Bird and the development of Magic Johnson as like a international star, like would be the yeah. most ideal time period for them to like kind of jump back in. Okay, so my question was, when did all the stuff with Magic Johnson and the HIV stuff, which they hinted at by like that one scene in the very first episode, they kind of started there? Yeah. When did all that stuff come into play for his life, like his personal life? That was like the weirdest part about it because like they clearly weren't going to get to that time period, but I think yeah. it was around like 1991 after he had like a full like decade plus of being the face of the NBA. The news came out about that. So I think he ended up playing, finishing off that year. Like they like kind of honored him in the all-star game and like everyone took their time to play like one-on-one against them and like get their moment with magic and like kind of celebrate him. But he ended up retiring shortly after that. And uh, there was a lot of like fear and People were like, yeah. mourning his death because it was so unknown of like any treatable way to like can handle that. So yeah, really like shook the NBA community. But then it just like he found the right way to treat it, and he's mm-hmm. still going strong. Yeah, he's still around, which is wild. Yeah. So he played for what is that like 11, 12 years? Yeah, I think it was about thirteen uh, all in total. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that I remember that whole thing happening and. 
because he's never actually been diagnosed with AIDS, I don't think. I think it's only like his HIV can turn into that, but yeah. because it hasn't ever turned into that, he's just been yeah, fine. They've been able to yeah. manage it and like keep it under control. So he goes into coaching for a while, doesn't work out, goes into like broadcasting for a while, doesn't work out, but Oh really? Yeah. But he's been like one of the most successful businessmen. Like he's part owner of the Dodgers, owns like hundreds of Starbucks. Like He does? Yeah, and he like he worked in the front office with Genie for a while, like over the last like seven years. Okay, so so yeah, you were saying I think that Genie, who's Jerry Buss's daughter yeah goes on to take the she becomes the owner at some point yeah so she's like technically in college during this time period like she wasn't actually like a part of the team they kind of take that liberty because she eventually gets brought on board and then when dr bus died all four like there's four main siblings they take take over ownership two are not interested in being a part of it and then jim who's like one of the kind of like doofus guys that goes to the Celtic game with him. Gotcha. And then Genie are kind of like the two that mainly run the team. And then basically about four years ago, Genie kind of forces her brother out because he's terrible at running an NBA team. So now (laughs) she's like basically the sole owner of the Lakers. They still have their financial stake, but not any like power in like day to day. Is she like the character that we see in the show? Like, is she a, a pretty intelligent capable person or is she does she kind of exhibit some kind of moronic skills like her father did <laughs> uh no she's she's really intelligent like she's really smart and capable and okay. like yeah she's very grounded and like very much like wants like the team to feel like a community like a family and like she's very hands-on because like they don't have like a business they don't run anything else like most NBA owners have their like, businesses that they run and like, manage it, and then, like the NBA team's kind of the side thing. The unique thing about the like the Bus family is all their money comes from the Lakers, all their focus goes to the Lakers. Like they like really pour a lot into that team. So do they? Is she pretty well liked? Do do fans like her? Yeah, they like her. Yeah. Does she have any kids herself? Not that I know of. She uh, yeah, she was like married to Phil Jackson like oh, that's for a right. long time. They had kind of had an off and on relationship, but. Yeah, I don't think she ever had any kids or anything. Phil Jackson's an interesting person, and I I wish I had more time to talk about him with you because I watched The Last Dance, which is just an incredible documentary. Yeah. We did an episode on it like a long time ago, over 100 episodes ago. But he's, you know, he's just such a fascinating person. It's so interesting seeing only I only know Jeannie from this show from Winning Time and just to think about Phil Jackson being with a grown-up version of that person is very interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how, like, all these characters, like, are so intermingled. Like, yeah. Jerry West eventually leaves the Lakers because of Phil Jackson dating Jeannie Buss, like, losing control. Um, and, like, all these characters are, like, still around the franchise for, like, decades to come. So it's... Uh... Yeah, that was, that was another interesting point that it really... I didn't understand why Jerry West, like, he's like, I'm quitting. But then he's, like, still hanging around. Yeah. And I don't understand how Jerry Buss didn't just like be like, hey, you just screwed me over. Why are you still here? I don't understand why he was still in the picture. He's like one of the most like brilliant general managers of all time. Like he basically like runs that Lakers showtime period and like wins them like four or five championships. He drafts Kobe Bryant, trades for Shaquille O'Neal. They win like three more championships. Then he leaves, does really well with the Grizzlies, and then uh, he basically like helped orchestrate the Warriors dynasty, and now he's with the Clippers, but everywhere he's gone, he's just like 
been super successful. But but at that time though, when he's when he stepped down from coaching, why did I don't? I think it's where like they come into an issue of like overblowing him being like a hothead who's like gotcha throwing stuff through windows and like he's he is that angry but it's all internalized as opposed to like <laughs> letting it out so he's not one to like lash out at people or like he just like bottles it up and like kind of like keeps it on the inside so like he's known to be like grumpy and cr- crotchety but not necessarily like, screaming at people breaking things like that kind of thing so i think it was yeah. more amicable than like they kind of portray it in the in the show oh, okay the whole dynamic with magic johnson smiling all the time and kareem seeming like he just hates life <laughs> yeah you know yeah was fascinating and they they make reference to that a lot to really play that up is that all accurate as well like yeah magic johnson being a really smiley person yeah like kareem's Kareem's life was focused on like civil rights and like coming together with jim brown a lot of other like famous athletes to kind of like make change so he like felt the weight and burden of being successful as he was and magic kind of like had the opposite approach to it where he brought like joy to every aspect of his life and like kind of like used his star power to try to make change um just by being like dynamic and so personality traits like both those two are definitely very accurate to like who they were in reality cool they like did a really good job of like telling a lot of story integrating a lot of characters but also like keeping the pacing going along to like, push towards this finals that I knew was coming. But it's fun to see the aspects of like the behind the scenes and all these yeah. people that, like I've known about my whole life. But it's fun to like see it on screen and come together. For sure. Yeah. I think things like this that, you know, take historical events and then dramatize them, but make them, you know, interesting for people to engage with. Yeah. Just brings them to the surface again, like brings them to light. So you're able to like experience it almost anew for like the first time yeah. again, you know, with all over, which is super fun. I really didn't think I would care this much about this show. I, I was putting off watching it for a long time because I was like, yeah, I'll do, I'll do it when it's over because it was a week by week thing. And then I watched it and I was like, this is freaking amazing. Like it's so well done. It might be my favorite thing Adam McKay has done in a while. Um, even though he only directed that first episode, but kind of been in charge of like spearheading. Yeah. Oh, that was the other thing. He, Adam McKay, ruined his relationship with Will Ferrell. Do you, you hear about this? Yeah. Because I guess Will Ferrell was supposed to play Jerry Buss or wanted to or something. And then Adam McKay like went behind his back and hired John C. Riley instead. Yeah. And Will Ferrell hasn't, I mean, I mean, from an article I read maybe eight months ago, hasn't talked to Adam McKay since. Like, Adam McKay has reached out a few times. He's apologized and he, and he feels really badly about how he went about it, but he like fucked him over with his best friend. Like it was, just, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that whole dynamic and like the whole dynamic with the, how the Lakers have felt about this show, definitely trying to like distance themselves. And then they released like a magic Johnson documentary simultaneously, like kind of like a, oh. uh, the MJ doc that the, they did on Netflix, just trying to like, tell their version of the story because they've just been like very much not happy with Adam McKay and his approach. Mm. There's been a lot of like drama behind the scenes and Jerry West trying to sue the show for (laughs) just like it's inaccurate representation. The amount of things off screen has been almost as entertaining as what they've been on screen, but hundred percent. Yeah. The Will Ferrell one has kind of caught me off guard. Yeah. I'm blown away by that. Like it's, it's so sad to see relationships end always, but like, 
I can't believe that Will Ferrell, of all people, who seems like one of the nicest guys, <laughs> like he just got screwed over by Adam McKay. But Adam McKay did say something about like how he he was trying to take himself more seriously and, and, and distance himself from like comedy movies and comedy actors and stuff, which is why he wanted to go with John C. Riley instead of, but I guess it was just like, you know, the way it worked out. It's, it's just a real bummer. Yeah. But it's hard to imagine that role without John C. Riley in it. Like he just encaptures that, like yeah, his approach, his demeanor, like even aesthetically, it's like pretty spooky how similar they were able to like make him look. Wow. Yeah. I haven't even Googled what Jerry Buss actually looks like. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Look at some of the photos from the 80s. Like he has like the poofy come over kind of. <laughs> okay. Very awesome. orange skin. Like it's awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for taking the time to be here. I appreciate it a lot. Of course. It's not my wheelhouse, but anything for you. <laughs> you were just what this podcast needed, Jeff. I appreciate it. Gabe. This could potentially come out like right at the end of our finals. I was going to ask Jeff who he has uh, winning this series right now. Uh, definitely the Warriors, probably in six, maybe seven. But yeah, got a soft spot for, uh, we know one of the assistant coaches and always hate hate the Celtics. So <laughs> kind of easy balance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, man. Easy. Yeah, thanks, dude. Gabe, you want to take us out? Say the theme song from Winning Time? <laughs> Winning time. <laughs> Every new beginning comes as losers and <laughs> is there a theme we could play here or something? Yeah, there's a theme to winning time. How's music in this show? Is it good? It's great. Everything about this show is top notch. Nice. You Except sh- for you should watch it. The way that the Lakers when you get feel about extra it. time. I didn't know the Lakers didn't care for it. Yeah, a lot of people didn't like the dramatization behind it. But it's a good show. Yeah, it's a great show. It's up there with one of the best television works that has come out this year, for sure. Nice. Anyway, here's the song from Winning Winning Time. Time. not just the words some of y'all heads up in the cloud i'ma bring y'all back to earth it's black back to burn bullshit y'all talking about out your mouth i'm not concerned because y'all got to learn it's y'all turned like detroit red when his head had an ultra perm the long walk i burn your bare heels so the warm your boots the game camouflage like army suits but i can see it more clear because i came with the coupe in here bring me along and form the truth send them out into the world go to war on the flu out of eye with the enemy you sworn to shoot now i'm coming at your neck sick of hearing something wrong with me motherfucker something wrong with you when the cheap just way too smart to question the enemy the brothers of a dark complexion the governments of the world is shark infested they have the own weaponry like Charlton heston man look it gets low man uh-huh. Yeah, uh, yeah. Look, it gets low here. Uh, yeah.